That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. What is going on, people? How's everybody doing today? Alice Washington, a.k.a. Wash, coming in from Dirty Ass Basement Studios, and you listen to the Deuce Wild Podcast, presented by Real Take No Holds Barred Sports. What's up? How's everybody doing? It's cold. I told you last week, it's cold. So if you guys hear my furnace, because I'm in Dirty Ass Basement Studios, might get a little loud. You don't want to hear it? Shut off the damn podcast. I don't care. But I'm talking over it. That's neither here nor there. Got a few things to talk about today. Not a whole lot. I'm going to keep this one a little short and sweet. Adam's not on the show, so I can say that. So I'll actually keep it short and sweet because Adam tends to... I'll run his mouth a little bit. Like I said last week, I'm not going to badmouth him until he gets on the show. But I don't mind badmouthing him. But I'm going to badmouth him. Get on the damn show. People are asking about you. They miss you. I miss you. Anyways, a few things to talk about. Talk a little bit about baseball. Got uh, Patriots-Giants tonight, Thursday night football. I'll try to get this out before all that happens. And uh, some Al Horford talk, which I actually kind of want to get into to start here. So, Al Horford, as you all know, spurns the Celtics, goes to Philadelphia, the Celtics rival in the Eastern Conference as of the last few years now because uh, Sixers have been fairly relevant the last couple years. Got some young talent there. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, overrated. <clears throat> uh, you know, looking pretty nice on paper before they even got Al Horford, you know. Almost beat the NBA Final Champs, Toronto Raptors, in seven games. So... Not really needing much help, but getting Al Horford for them was big because, really, Al Horford was the only Joel Embiid stopper in the NBA, and they got them. They got him on their roster now. But Al Horford, a uh, story came out yesterday. I think Steve Bullpet. I think still Steve Bullpet wrote about it. Um, and maybe he got with Horford. I'm not really sure. It just kind of came out, so it's still fairly fresh. I can't exact. I can't remember exactly. I believe it was Bullpet though. So Horford comes out, says, you know, a few things about why, you know, leaving the Celtics to go to Philadelphia. And that's completely up to him. But a lot of it had to do with age. You know, I guess the Celtics brought up age a lot of the times during their negotiations. Thinking that he should take a short-term deal at a, you know, a little higher salary. Not too much. Maybe it was that, maybe it wasn't. Maybe a little less than what he made per year in Boston. 
Because he was making about 30 to 31, 32 million dollars a year in Boston when he signed a max deal when he left the Hawks. Now, the same kind of thing happened when he was in Atlanta. You know, he wanted to re-sign for max money. Atlanta wasn't willing to do it. And at this point now, I kind of understand why. But I'm not going to sit here and bash on Horfer because I'm still fairly upset that he's not in Boston anymore. Because I think Boston legitimately tried to keep him. But the story, you know, story came out as to why he left Boston. You know, Kyrie, he, he thought Kyrie staying there, if, if, if Kyrie was going to stay there, that his chances of staying in Boston were moot at best. He didn't think he was going to come back if Kyrie stayed. So I think he understood. And that's the funny part because I've had people on social media kill me for not defending Kyrie. Like, like, like all last year, the whole Celtics season fell apart because of Kyrie. I firmly believe that he was a big part of it. You know, if you want to slice up the pie in however many directions that you want, I think Kyrie has the bigger piece of the problem. And I think that was abundantly clear in this report by Bopet yesterday, or interview, whatever it was with Horford. I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I'll, you know, I'll get a little more information maybe before the show ends. But if the Celtics were going to keep Kyrie, Al Horford was as good as gone, anyways. So I'm not sure if the Celtics legitimately tried to keep Kyrie Irving once they finally knew that he was probably going to opt out of his contract, anyways, and test the waters and go somewhere else with LeBron or go home to the Nets. So no one really knows. But in this interview slash report with Bullpett and Horford, Horford didn't know that the Celtics were going to be going after Kemba. So he, he thinks the whole dynamic would have been a little bit different had he known that the Celtics were going to go after Kyrie. I don't know. I mean, after Kemba Walker. So I don't know if that's just a, not necessarily a cop out, but trying to save face by saying he wasn't un, he wasn't sure what the direction of the Celtics was going to be, so he decided to go to a team that was already contending. I firmly believe that the Celtics can contend, and a lot of people would call me a homer for saying that because that's my that's my team. But I I have no reason to to think any different. You know, Celtics still have a, a really good young core. They used the money that they lost, you know, with Kyrie and Al Horford to sign Kemba Walker, a very good, no-nonsense type of player, an all-star, an all-NBA player. So I think once the Celtics finally got word that, you know, behind closed doors that Kemba Walker was going to come to Boston, the Celtics tried every which way to try to keep Horford, which I was very excited about. But it sounds like Philadelphia had the backdoor deal with Horford, giving him more money that the Celtics were willing to give, give him more years than the Celtics were willing to give. So from that standpoint, I kind of understand Horford, but for whatever reason, it, it hurt. I think it probably hurt more that he ended up in Philadelphia, you know, against a against a rival. And that's a tough look, and that's a tough pill to swallow for Celtics fans. All right, so here... So here's a few quotes. It was Bopet. I got it right here. So here's a, here's a few quotes here from Horford. Quote, Well, after how last year ended, we were all disappointed with how everything went. 
took some steps back, looking at the direction of the franchise, where it was heading, and where it was going. We all kind of felt that Kyrie was going to leave. It was like, maybe he'll stay, but then it was like, no, no way in hell. He'll probably leave based on how everything was. So we all, So that's not really new. That part's not really new. The new part of this whole thing was feeling like he was going to not necessarily retire a Celtic, but spend the last few really good years that he had left of his prime with the franchise that we felt like he was fully entrenched in. So here's so here's a couple more quotes. Quote, and then I'm looking at my career, myself, and the years that I have left. There were certain things we wanted to accomplish as a team and things that we needed to make happen. We got all those pieces last year, but it didn't happen for us. And moving forward, I didn't know if it was going to be a two-year wait or three-year wait, whatever it was going to be. It was that and the financial reasons. So he's saying, end quote, and he's, so he's saying, I want years, I want to contend, and I want money. That's not really different from really any kind of athlete, truthfully. And especially at this point in Horford's career, I get that. I really do. But the Celtics have realistically have owned Philadelphia the last, like, five or six years. And I know that a lot, like, outside of the last, like, two, maybe two and a half years, Philadelphia has basically been irrelevant not only in the NBA, but in the Eastern Conference and against the Celtics. Um, I think I read a stat either yesterday or the day before, and I don't know if this is if this is fully true, but in the last 25 meetings with Philadelphia, Boston is 4-21. and oh, Sorry, sorry, I said that wrong. The 76ers are 4-21. and I don't know how true that is. I'd have to go back and look. But that does sound pretty accurate. The Celtics have owned Philadelphia for a long time now. Philadelphia got one last year. So that's fine. So what uh, so he he goes on to say quote when we started with the team trying to come up with things and we couldn't agree on certain numbers, that's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to have to open up my free agency. I believe not only that I am worth a certain amount of money, but I want to be in a position I have a really good opportunity to win. You know, my window is now. That's how I feel. End quote. So that much I understand, too. But the deal he got with Philadelphia was, what, four years, almost $100 million? And based on, you know, how he does his whole time in Philadelphia, he can make like $110 million or something like that. So I'm kind of so I'm 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 skimming through this thing. I'm looking for the for the Kemba quote here. Okay, here, here we go. I got it here. So it goes on to talk about Kyrie for another for another uh, quick quote here. Quote: I'm not sure that has anything to do with it for me in terms of in terms of um, staying with the Celtics um, and Kyrie and everything. Quote. I just think that if Kyrie would have stayed, I don't know if it would have worked. There would have been had to have been some major changes as far as players because it just was clear that that group that we had just wasn't going to be able to coexist. So again, end quote. There's another person coming out saying that 
without saying that Kyrie Irving was the problem in Boston is saying that Kyrie Irving was the problem in Boston. So again, all you people that have come at me on social media, Twitter especially, and Facebook, for me saying that Kyrie Irving was a big problem in Boston last year, can read this quote, these quotes from Al Horford. The guy doesn't the guy doesn't let you in on a lot. But these quotes are saying quite a bit. And here's the part about Kemba. You know, Bopet was asked, asked him, you know, and what about if he had known Kemba Walker was coming? Horford paused and quote, I don't want to get caught up in the past. But yeah, that would have been totally different. So, I think at that time, I mean, that could be a complete cop-out. I'm not sure. I mean, there's a lot more. It's actually a really good story by Bullpen and the Herald, Boston Herald. So, you know, I don't know how true that is. I don't know if it's a cop-out or a way of saying, like, you know, the Celtics didn't communicate with me that they were going after player A, player B, player C, which I would find hard to believe because the Celtics tried really, really hard, excuse me, tried really hard to keep Horford as soon as they found out that Kyrie was going to jet. But I think at this time, Horford had already known about a deal that Philadelphia was willing to give him just to pry him away from Boston. So that's tough. It's a tough look because he's going to the 76ers. But it's clear that Kyrie Irving was the main problem in Boston. And that's a big reason that Al Horford isn't here anymore. It is what it is. You know, I, I'm I'm salty because he went to Philadelphia, but I'm more upset that he's just not with Boston anymore. And a lot of you know, you know, the, the average Al people of the world don't really don't really appreciate what he brings to a team. And I hope for Philadelphia's sake they do. Because he the Celtics are gonna miss a lot of the little things that he does. And maybe it wasn't worth giving him all that kind of money. But the intangibles, the defensive intangibles, uh, the leadership intangibles, the fact that he can stretch the floor as a four or a five uh, was very big for Boston in, in his short time here. So, I, you know, it'd be interesting to see how Philadelphia utilizes him. I don't know how they'll do it, what they'll do. But they're going to be a tough team this year. But I, th- I still think the Celtics are going to be really good. You know, they've flown under the radar this whole offseason, you know. And I just think the Celtics are going to be really good. I still think they're going to be really good. And they would have been better had they kept Horford or had Horford stayed here. So all the power to them. Congrats, Horford. But, you know, we think you made just a mistake, you know. That's just my honest opinion. But, again, you know, in a seven-game series, I would, I would, I would still put my money on Boston. I don't really care. Yeah. Exactly. So again, we'll get into more Celtics talk. You know, opening night is what thirteen days away, Wednesday, twenty-third against said Philadelphia 76ers at Philadelphia. So that'll be fun. That's going to be a fun one to watch. It's going to be a good rivalry this year. Both teams are very good. You know, people are already crowning the 76ers in the East, but they still, to me, are very beatable. I think the East is still very wide open. The Bucks are probably the best team in the East, but they lost Malcolm Brogdon. 
you know, Toronto lost Kawhi, obviously. But I think a big piece, and I gave, I got into it with my father-in-law. I probably it's probably going to be a common theme here on, on the shows, especially when it's just me being solo. My father-in-law, Mike. I said, and you guys might kill me for it too. But when LeBron was a free agent last year before he signed with the Lakers, you know, Philadelphia was going after him. I, at the time, felt like J.J. Redick, who was a free agent too, J.J. Redick was more important to Philadelphia's successes or future successes than LeBron. And I probably do sound crazy. Does my father-in-law look like like... I had eight eyeballs on my face. But my point to the importance of J.J. Redick as opposed to having LeBron on your team is you already had really a ball-dominant point guard, which is really what LeBron would have played with Ben Simmons there unless they would have traded him or whatever. So you didn't need two people like that to begin with. Philadelphia still to this day lacks shooters. Now They lost J.J. Redick to the Pelicans, play with Zion, and da-da-da-da-da. But they still lack shooting. I mean, J.J. Redick, the last two years, is by far their best shooter. They don't have that now. They still don't have it. I don't care how good Tobias Harris is. He's not the shooter J.J. Redick is. I don't care about any of that. But J.J. Redick is extremely important to their successes. They don't have that anymore. They don't have anybody that could shoot like him. So I think when it comes to that kind of stuff, spot-up threes... Uh, coming off cuts and taking jumpers, like I think that's a huge loss. Horford doesn't fix that. LeBron would have not fixed that. So they have some deficiencies, just like really Boston, just like Toronto, Milwaukee to an extent. East is gonna be the East is gonna be uh, pretty interesting this year. Like I said, we'll I'll get into that. We'll get into that before the season starts. But with Horford, it's a tough loss. I'm going to miss the guy, but, no, well, good for you. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's move on. Enough, enough of that stuff. What do I got written down here? I've got, what are my notes? So I got Horford. I got Mookie on the list. Maybe I'll get to him before we go. Well, actually, you know, it kind of ties into Adams' Atlanta Braves. Tough loss. Tough loss last night, or yesterday afternoon, whatever you want to call it. Played at five, so tough loss for them. Cards move on. So, man, Atlanta, you know, didn't really have all the momentum going into a game five, but this is a game five at home. You should be pumped. The series should have been over, in my opinion. Atlanta is a far better team. I don't care what all they say in St. Louis. Atlanta was a better team, is a better team. But St. Louis, right this time at this time, is playing better ball. So hats off to them. That's fine. But game five, you get pumped and ready to go, and then you do that. Cardinals pound out nine runs with an out. End up scoring ten in the first inning. The game is over before you even get to an at-bat. Tough look. I feel bad for Adam. But I still think they were a year early. They'll be there next year. They still got a ton of money. 
That's where I tie in Mookie. I think that's where ultimately he wants to go. So there's a chance that they could trade for him in the offseason. But it's clear that they still need like a bat. Maybe not necessarily. I still think they could use a bat. But they need pitching. They need another starter. You know, Adam threw out Garrett Cole and Madison Bumgardner. I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's true. But they do need some starters. They still need a bullpen. They're still contend next year. They'll contend for the next five or six years. They keep this core together. They'll be good. But the main thing that I had written, because you know, St. Louis going to the NLCS. And what about the Dodgers? Wow. 3-1 lead going into the eight. Walker Bueller is just dealing. 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 I don't know how many times I could say it. Dealing. I'm going to text Adam real quick. Adam, do you have anything to say to the people on the show? I'm recording right now. There we go. But Walker Bueller is dealing, man. And they're up 3-1 going into the 8th. 8th. They can smell it. They can smell the next round. So they bring in one Clayton Kershaw. A, what is he, a three-time Cy Young Award winner? An MVP? And you have a 3-1 lead and you've got a lefty up first? And Juan Soto just deposits that deep into the night. 3-2, he still got a lead. Still got a lead. Anthony Rendon next. Damn! Smell you later. Just blew it. Is there a bigger name pitcher? That has just blown in the playoffs than Kershaw. That narrative used to be David Price. That used to be the David Price up until last year. So he doesn't have that anymore. Kershaw has not been a playoff pitcher at all. And I want to hit a, I want to hit a button. I don't know which I I want to hit a button. I don't know what. What's your language? In nah, front that's of the not good punk? enough. Maybe that's how he felt. Maybe that's how he felt when he got yanked. All right, Adam just texts me back. So he says, I apologize for being absent. Been super busy with life. We all have, Adam. We all have been busy. That's okay. Oh, here comes another one. <laughs> he go. Adam says, <laughs> he says he misses Real Take Nation, but the Falcons suck. And so do the Braves. Oh, here's another one. And LBJ is king. So obviously not much has changed with this guy. We miss you, dude. <laughs> uh. You better pray to the god of skinny punks. 
Yeah. Poor bastard. Anyways, Kershaw just gives it up, man. So is he, is he, maybe we can have a debate about this. The biggest name pitcher, starter or reliever, doesn't really matter, that has been so dominant for a long period of time that has just sucked in the playoffs. No one, to me, that I can really think of comes up the top of my mind. I've got Kershaw. I had Price up until last year. Who else? I can't really, th I can't really think of anybody else at the top of my head. So, when you guys listen to this, just let me know. What you let me know if you got any pitchers that come off the top of your head. You can't. Like Kurt Schilling was all time great. Randy Johnson was all time great. Pettit was great. Clemens was great. Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, all great. I can't really think of any. Anyways, we'll move on. But Kershaw just gave it up, man. But they still have a chance. I mean, after the end of the inning, it was tied. They could have won in the bottom of the ninth. They didn't. And then, you know, the Dodgers. Also, are the Dodgers one of the bigger choke artists in all of baseball? Screw you, ads. It's... Are the Dodgers one of the bigger choke artists in maybe professional sports? Are we are we are we going Buffalo Bills territory? Four straight Super Bowls and a loss, every single one of them. Maybe you throw the Philadelphia Eagles in there before before the Super Bowl that they won against the Patriots a couple years ago. What was it? Four straight four straight NFC championship games. One Super Bowl. Dodgers got to be right up there in the playoffs almost every year now. Get to the World Series last year, losing five, dominated. Year before that, Game Seven against the Astros, blew it. This year, can't get past the Washington Nationals. Who are obviously better without Bryce Harper. I don't think we're I don't think you can debate that. Where is the debate on that? They used a lot of that money to go get <laughs> to go get to go get like a Patrick Corbin to get a reliever or two. But they're playing some of the best ball in all of baseball right now. The, that Cardinals and National Series is gonna be it's gonna be a great series. It's gonna be a really good series. Got the Astros and the Rays tonight. Finish that one up. Winner of that will be playing New York. That's gonna be tough to swat. That's gonna be tough to watch. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great series, but just you know, I go back to the Red Sox. You know, it's these teams just they got better, and the Red Sox didn't. That's neither here nor there. So man, are the Dodgers one of the bigger choke artists? I don't, I don't know. Especially in baseball, they got to be right up there. All the talent in the world, huge payroll. See, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a team that goes after Mookie next year or in the offseason this year. Whatever. I mean, however you want to cut it. I think there's a chance that he could end up out there, and you know. Like I said in the last podcast, if I'm if I have to trade or get rid of somebody, 
I'm going to probably get rid of Mookie because he's going to net the biggest return. Yeah, I would have no problem getting someone like, uh, I don't know, like a Jock Peterson or a Alex Verdugo and get them a pitching prospect or someone that's ready to, to pitch in the bigs now. A couple prospects. You could get at least that for Mookie Betts. He's still got a year on his deal. And then you try to convince him otherwise before he hits free agency and blah, blah, blah. And the Celtics are Celtics. And the Red Sox are clear of that guy. Because I think it's abundantly clear at this point that Mookie Betts doesn't want to be in Boston. I don't care. I don't care. Like, you can lie. You can lie to the media and say, oh, I love it here. I really do. You know, I hope to resign here and da da da. If he just said stuff like that, people would shut up. Maybe not all of them. Because, you know, the media did that to Kyrie, and he got pissed, and... Ugh. Kyrie. God. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly what we felt all year with you. But, yeah, I mean, it's abundantly clear he doesn't want to be here. I think LA actually wouldn't be a bad spot for him. I've had enough of that guy. I've had enough of that talk already. I had Antonio Brown on the list, too. Maybe we could talk about him. He just basically... Just basically said, Hey, Patriots, you guys got to pay me anyways. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you pick me up? Topic for another time. I'll get into that another time. Are the Dodgers choke artists? They're probably choke artists. That's too bad. It's a story franchise. So we'll see how that goes. What do I got left on the list here? Pats Giants? Nee. Pats are 17 and a half point favorites as of right now. I'm going to be watching it, of course. You know, it's Patriots. But I'll be DVRing it. So... I'm going to have to turn off every, every friggin' notification that I have. Can't go on Facebook. Yeah, Jack. Can't go on Facebook because all you bastards friggin' basically put every damn play on Facebook, so I can't read that. So... What am I looking for in the Patriots game tonight when I watch it? Um, Philip sets out. You know, I'd like to see the Patriots just you know, keep the tempo up. Kind of do what they did against Washington. Maybe not as bad in the first half. Realistically, I'd still like to see that offensive line give Tom Brady time to throw. I got some more Patriots news. But just back to the game. I, you know, I'd like to see the offensive line still play a little bit better. I think... I think Tom, Tom Brady, yeah, that guy, God. Love you, Tom. Yeah, love you, Tom. Gotta give him time to throw. Four sacks, I believe, in the first half. So I think they got better as the game went on against Washington, but, you know... Brady still needs time to throw. But then again, this is a, this is a Giants team that's limping in here. Um, Saquon Barkley's out. Sterling Shepard's out. Um, Ingram's out. So a lot of their weapons are out. You know, that's not to say that the Giants don't have any. You know, 
A lot of people don't know Wayne Gallman. I, I, he was awesome at Clemson. It didn't, what, do you have a couple touchdowns last week? So he's very good. I think Golden Tate's back this week from suspension. Or did he play last week? What week is this? Is this week five or week six? I don't know. Either way, Golden Tate, still healthy. So he'd be the other thing. I mean, Daniel Jones has been playing well since he's, you know, since he started. Playing well. Especially for a rookie, not bad. I still think the Patriots cover that spread. That's tough, though. That's so many points. But, you know, I'd, I'd still like to see the offensive line play a little bit better. They played really well in the second half. The run game really got going. I think the Patriots had about 100 and 110, 111 rushing yards in the second half. A lot of that being Sony Michelle. So he looked really good. Offensive line looked really good in the second half. Got to keep Brady clean. Keep Jules healthy. Keep Gordon healthy. They should win this game. I mean, it should be a total blowout. But it's Thursday night football. The games have actually been pretty good on Thursday night football this year. So I kind of expect a little bit of the same thing. May I, you know, I do still. I would imagine there would be a blowout. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a blowout. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, though. I just want to see the Patriots shore up some things. And I know it's not a good team. And people are going to go to the fact that they played nobody. Um, and they're still undefeated and all that stuff. Get, look, people. You can only play who's on your damn schedule, you know. You act like the, you know, you act like their schedule so cupcake. Like, well, you know, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to, you know, give the, you know, give people in the AFC East like their best players or something like that so that they can compete? This has, this is not a Patriots problem. They can only play who's ahead of them. So people bitching about the fact that they've played nobody is really annoying and fascinating. Because how much? Realistically, how many good teams are there in the NFL right now? Off the top of my head, New England, uh, Kansas City, uh, what? Seattle. 49ers are are a they're four and zero, but I would go more to their schedule than what the Patriots have faced this at this at this point. I think I think 49ers are playing the Rams this weekend, and I think the Rams are only like three-point favorites. I think the Rams are going to blow them out of the water. I know the Rams have struggled the last couple couple weeks, two or three weeks. But I think they're three and two. I think the Rams are going to blow them out of the water, and I could be completely wrong on that. But I'll put, I'll play that at minus three. The Rams are a good team. Seattle's a good team. Uh, Green Bay frauds. Dallas frauds. New Orleans is good, and they'll get better when Drew Brees gets back. But is that it? There five or six good teams. Indies. I don't know. I don't want to read into Indy yet. Like they just beat Kansas City on the road. So this isn't a Patriots problem. This is a league-wide problem. There's so many bad quarterbacks right now. I just, I don't know. I don't know why people get on the Patriots for stuff. Oh, their schedule's so cupcake. Grow up. How about the league just gets better? It's not like the, it's not like the Patriots have an embarrassment of riches. Well, like how many people? They don't have a ton of people on offense, but they do have a sick defense.
It's nice. One of the this might be the best defense I've seen in New England. I know it's early, and I know some of the teams they've played are suspect, but yikes. I love it. So, but again, you know, I'd like to see the offensive line still play good, play a full 60. I'd like to see Gordon get in the end zone this week. Come out healthy. I want to see everybody get out healthy, but just little things. Offensive line, I'd like to see the run game still go well defensively shut down people all that good stuff I think really that's all kind of all I got I just want to get behind the mic again I love it well Adam says he's gonna be on soon he promises ooh some breaking news here Phillies dismiss skipper Gabe Kapler that was quick again that's a I don't understand and I've I have talked about this at nauseum for a long time and I'll go back to New England you've got Bill Belichick who's been here for 20 years 20 some odd years you cannot you cannot tell me that teams get better as soon as the uh, a new coach gets in. You can't expect a team to get better immediately when you have a new coach, when you have a new manager, whatever it is in your sport. You cannot get better year by year if you employ a coach or manager for two years or less. You can't expect dramatic change overnight. This is the shit that pisses me off. I like Gabe Kapler. Not like a huge fan of him. I, I've never liked any Philadelphia sports. Okay? I don't hate the people in Philadelphia. But I've never liked their sports teams. But you can't expect to get better year by year if you're constantly changing managers in sports. You know, people are going to point the finger at Gabe Kapler... For not being good because they got Bryce Harper. But what has Bryce Harper done in his career other than hit a few moonshots every year? Their pitching staff is not great. Their bullpen wasn't great. They've got good offensive players, but guess what? You still need pitchers. You can you can, I just don't understand what owners and GMs go I just don't understand what goes through their heads. Like, even the friggin' Cleveland Browns had Hugh Jackson for, like, three years. And he sucked all three years. I can understand firing someone at that point. They, they were what? Like, 1 in 35 or whatever the hell it was in his time there? So I fully understand why you would get fired there. There was no improvement at all. So I kind of get that Philly really kind of... Underachieved this year, but they were. It's not like they weren't in playoff position at all. They were there around the the wild card all year, and I get they got the big name, so they're supposed to compete for a division title. But it's not like they weren't competing for at least a wild card spot, and they just kind of faded off into the distance when everything was almost being close to clinch, like the Red Sox did, and they freaking folded and all that shit. 
But it's like, how do you expect to get better if you continually change coaches and managers? Like, this is that stuff that drives me nuts. This is why I should be a damn GM or an owner or something. You got to give the guys time. You got to get his players in. They, I, I, I've never understood that. And, and that's exactly why I, I go to New England. I'm killing it right now. I am killing it right now, JR. I'm killing it. But that's what I do, I've never understood that. You can't like people calling for Cora to get fired. I understand that they were coming off a of World Series and stuff like that. You, you're allowed to have a bad year, but it's not. Again, the Red Sox were competing for at least a wild card spot this year, with all their struggles. How do you expect to get better if you're going to fire a coach or get a new coach every freaking year? You got to give these guys time. If you see some improve, like next year, give Gabe Kapler another year. See, Adam, just Adam, you're behind the eight ball, man. He just told me that Phillies fired Kapler. I know, I know, dude. I'm ahead of it. But you got to give these guys time. The goal next year should be to try to win the division. Let him try to do that. Let him try to help do that. Let him develop players. Let him get into a, a rhythm. Sports are about rhythm. Let him have an opportunity to get better. Come on. Like, I don't understand that. Whatever. I mean, that's not my problem, but I just, I never really understood that. What do you guys think of that? That's not that's not that's not good for sports. You like That's just indicative of your team and your owners. Like if you're firing a coach every year, like do you ex are you su supposed to be good? Like if you fail one year, like if you've made the playoffs four straight years and then fail to do it the next year, like you're supposed to get fired. This is sports. Some teams just get better as the years go on. But changing a coach every year isn't going to make you get better. It's not going to make a team play better. How does that? How does that help morale? How does that help team team chemistry? Keep someone at the helm for a few years. If it doesn't work, sure, let him go. It's not like he was there for that long. You got to give him another chance. I'm like I would say this about everybody. Like, Adam right now is on a fire Dan Quinn spree. And I fully get that. They had a dominant year, the year Matt Ryan won MVP. They got to the Super Bowl. Lost to the Patriots. <clears throat> 28-3. Thanks, Kai. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. And then they've completely just bombed ever since then. You know, Maybe they haven't recovered from that. I doubt it. But maybe they haven't recovered. I don't know. But, like, now would be a good time to get rid of Dan Quinn, in my opinion. Because what's he done since the Super Bowl? They've underachieved. That, to me, makes sense. Get someone fresh in there. So, whatever. Another time. We'll get into that another time. So I want to know what you guys think. Is it smarter to keep a manager or head coach for more than a year or two give them an opportunity 
to get better, to get their team better? Let me know if that makes sense to you. Maybe I sound crazy for thinking that, but I just don't understand how teams and coaches can get better if you're continually using this revolving door of managers and coaches year by year by year by year by year. How do you expect teams to get better in that case? Let me text Adam back here. You're behind the eight ball, sir. Already broke it on the show. Poor Adam. So let me know what you guys think of that. And that's really kind of all I got. Let me get some music and then I'll get the hell out of here. Alright, here we go. Here we go. What do we got? Alright. So. Let me know what you guys think of that. Guys and gals. I did get everything I wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let me know what you guys think. Especially the coaching thing. Since that just broke while I was doing the show. And let me know what you guys think about the Dodgers. Like complete underachievers. Or one of the bigger sports busts in all of at least the last 20 years. Being so good and then just bombing when it matters most. Let me know what you guys... And I want to know about Horford too. Like do you fault them for taking more money and going to Philadelphia? Especially you New England fans. How do you guys feel about... Horford going to Philadelphia. I still don't like it. I understand it. I still don't like it, though. And let me know what you guys think about Mookie. You know where you guys can let me know about that, right? You guys can let me know on Facebook, Real Take No Holds Barred Sports. You can do it even on my own Facebook. I don't really care. Alex Washington. On Twitter, at Real Take NHB. Or at AWASH013. Or at Real Silver Spoon for Adam. You can find this show, and I'll let you guys know on on the uh, social media pages. You can find it on iTunes and SoundCloud, whatever you guys and gals feel like listening on. But make sure you guys at least share this, too. And I want your guys' input as well. So, yeah, share the show. Get it out there. I appreciate it. So I hope everybody has a good weekend. Big weekend of sports. Got to love it. Got to love this time of year. Playoffs. Basketball starting soon. Football's already going. Hockey just started this week. Bruins looking good. 3-0. Love it. Love it. So thank you guys for listening to the show. I appreciate it. Like, share it. Let's debate. Let's debate. So for Adam and myself, hope everybody has a great, great weekend. Kids are off tomorrow. I don't know if the weather's supposed to be crappy. It is cold. But, but hey, my furnace only went off once during this, and I like that. So, again, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Hit us up. And, as always, long live and prosper, biatch. In the name of all that is good and decent, no more for today. Deuces.